स्मार्ट यू आर लिसनिंग टू अमिंट प्रोडक्शन टू मिंट आई कीप अ क्लोज ट्रैक ऑफ ऑल दैट इज हैपनिंग इन द वर्ल्ड ऑफ स्टॉक मार्केट यू आर लिस्निंग टू ऑल थिंग्स मार्केट वेर आई स्पीक टू एक्सपर्ट एनालाइजिंग द बिग ट्रेंड्स moving the stock markets market valuation of all listed firms on the bse touched 3 trillion dollar for the first time led by gains in smaller stocks with small and mid cap stocks outperforming benchmarks investors seem to be shifting to the riskier segment so how risky is this bet and how long are the stocks likely to rally to understand that i am joined by nimesh chandan head of investment equities canara robaco hi nimesh welcome to the show hi nasreen it's uh, my pleasure to be here on your podcast so nimesh uh, as we speak uh, the market cap of all listed companies in uh, bse uh, hit 3 trillion dollar and that's a feat in itself considering the uh, economic crisis that we are in the middle of uh, but you know besides uh, but the the unique thing this time about is that this is not led by the bigger stocks which are the blue blue chip stocks which are in the index but this is mostly led by the mid and the small cap uh, stocks which have been performing uh, constantly from the last one year period so do you think that the rally in mid cap has more legs to continue so it's a very good question nasreen for the right answer to how the mid caps have actually performed we need to take a slightly longer perspective so you would remember that somewhere in december of 2017 it's where the small cap and the mid cap indices they actually peaked and then they underperformed large cap for about one and a half years so till about uh, mid of uh, 2019 uh, the reason for that peak was uh, the expectations were very high on growth uh, while the global and the domestic economy was seeing uh, signs of a slowdown also uh, economy was going through a lot of changes which were getting installed so uh, demonetization gst rera clean up of the banking system these aspects did have an impact on the growth rates on the economy and uh, over uh, the next two years we saw a slowdown which impacted mainly uh, the mid caps and the small caps the larger companies also they perform very selectively however from mid of 2019 the sentiment changed uh, there was more support from the monetary side of uh, globally from central banks uh, and also fiscal support however the we saw some glimpse of that recovery in mid caps and small caps in like 6 months from september uh, to about march and then we saw the impact of covid coming in uh, in 2020 so uh, this rally that we are seeing was actually delayed uh, from what we saw the beginning in 2019 clearly in the pandemic the support from the monetary and the fiscal authorities went up substantially uh, what started as pockets of recovery is getting more broad based and i believe in the next 2 years we will see a much stronger economic recovery and business recovery and that is what is helping mid caps 
and small caps. For mid caps specifically, the valuations are also quite attractive compared to the large cap uh, peers. Now, I generally don't uh, talk about price to earning ratio of an index and then uh, make a statement on that because the composition of the indices go through a lot of changes. But let's say for just as a benchmark, we use uh, large cap uh, companies are trading at around 19 times one year forward earnings. Uh, and uh, so 20 times one year forward earnings. And we are seeing mid caps at about 19 times uh, one year forward earnings. So there is on the index level, there is some uh, discount there. Plus, right now, when you look at different segments and different sectors, you are able to find good mid cap businesses. Uh, with sustainable growth rates, good healthy balance sheets at a reasonable price compared to the large cap. So I believe this mid-cap rally has a lot of legs uh, going forward, at least for the next two, three years as this recovery unfolds. Okay. But as you mentioned about the last performance of mid and small caps, if you go back, uh, yeah, we had seen that after 17, uh, the way both small and mid cap segments had rallied, it was phenomenal rally even then. And then it fizzled out. The reasons that most analysts had given was it was an euphoric rally. There was not much of fundamental support and hence the rally fizzled out. But this time you're saying that there is more valuation support plus there is more fundamental support to the rally. Is that so? Yes, absolutely. This time we are seeing uh, numbers improving in uh, the whole of say BSE 500 from September onwards. So it's not just that the earnings have been upgraded for only the top 30 stocks or the top 50 uh, companies. From September onwards, the BSE 500 has seen a positive growth in earnings and we have seen upgrades coming there. Mind you, in September still, we were having a GDP growth which was in the negative territory. And uh, at that time, we had a positive uh, about 10% growth in the BSE 500 uh, companies. Uh, from there on, this recovery got accelerated as we got out of the first wave of uh, pandemic. Mm. And uh, now we have seen uh, even the March numbers are quite good uh, for a lot of mid caps and small caps. Yes, the second wave will create, uh, again, a lag for a quarter for the earnings to really uh, boost further. Uh, we may see some kind of downgrades coming for FY22, mm. uh, depending on business to business in this year. Uh, but the markets and the investors who are looking beyond that, who are looking at normalization in, say, FY23 and then uh, 24 and 25, will reap the benefits of this growth and the recovery uh, coming back. We may have a one quarter uh, of pain because of the second wave, uh, but we should see uh, a healthy recovery post that too. Okay. But if at all there is a more crisis in the economy, uh, like you mentioned about the third third wave, uh, if, it, if, if there is a third wave and if there is a further economic crisis, you think the retail participation may move out and there could be some impact in the small cap liquidity? So I'll tell you uh, about why I'm bullish on small caps and then I'll tell you what what I worry about when it comes to retail investors participating in the small cap rally uh, in mm. a certain way. So uh, the small caps are higher beta as a category compared to mid caps or large caps. So clearly when the downturn came between 2017 to 2019, uh, the small cap 
indices, the small cap companies took the most beating. They were down about, I think the index was down about 35% and underperforming large cap by about 50%. So uh, obviously, uh, at that time, nobody was attracted to this category. Uh, at Canada Rubico, we had launched uh, the small cap fund during that time. And I remember a lot of people during that time were very skeptical about uh, uh, the small cap returns and the risk that small caps uh, companies have. But uh, what happens is when people uh, generalize a category as large as small cap, so apart from the top 250 stocks, the rest of the stocks are classified as small cap and about 500 of these are something that institutions look at uh, for their small cap investment. Now to generalize that all 500 business models, uh, all 500 managements and valuations are wrong and very risky, I think that's a very uh, mistaken assumption. So we were able to find pockets during that time within small caps. The businesses were good, managements were good, and valuations were extremely attractive purely because people were skeptical. Now, because of this sharp rally that we have seen uh, in the last one year, a lot of these stocks have reached reasonable valuations. Some of them have actually upgraded and moved to the mid-cap uh, sector. Now, it, there are still pockets where there, the growth is underappreciated or the valuations require or need a re-rating upward or deserve a re-rating upward. However, when uh, the problem comes when investors just get into this category in euphoria, that uh, we need it's easy to make money in small caps and we need to trade uh, small caps and you buy anything in small cap and you make money. I think that's again a mistake. So when people are fearful and leave a category when it's at the bottom, uh, that's a mistake. And when a category is doing very well and people just blindly come into it, uh, is again a risk. What I worry is so many retail investors coming for short-term trading, uh, whether they are doing intraday or BTST or uh, they are using uh, leverage to invest in these companies. That's a wrong way. Once somebody has a long-term view on a particular uh, uh, company and then invests in it, then you get the right returns. Uh, just getting into small caps because now there is a euphoria or people moving into small caps, I think that's a mistake. However, I still believe there are large pockets within small caps where the growth is underappreciated and valuation is more deserving. And uh, investors should look for those pockets and look at those companies. Moving on, uh, as you mentioned about the earnings, you know, when we did an analysis of the March quarter earnings so far, the smaller and the mid-cap segment actually did a good performance in March quarter. And uh, you think this earnings momentum will uh, continue in FY22? I understand you said that probably there could be this month, this quarter, there could be a hiccup. But what about the entire fiscal? So, uh, Nasreen, what happens is when people are comparing this quarter results with last year's results, uh, there has to be a certain adjustment to be made. The March of last year was not a complete month for a lot of businesses because they went into lockdowns very early. Yes. Uh, and a lot of businesses were not really prepared for a lockdown. So they were either stuck with huge inventory or receivables or they were not able to ship uh, certain things that they wanted to. So. There were, the last month of the quarter uh, was a bit difficult for FY20. Now, when you are comparing FY21, then obviously a lot of growth rate would look good because you are in a recovery month versus you were in a lockdown kind of a month. So that has to be taken with a pinch of salt. 
uh, it's better to compare two-year compounded growth for this quarter results at least to understand how the business has uh, actually done. No doubt, a lot of companies have done well because they were able to compensate for the growth that they lost in the first half of the year. They were able to manage costs better. They were so Indian entrepreneurs are very innovative. They are able to manage uh, the situation through innovating certain distribution models, adopting technology, uh, maybe uh, also uh, coping up with the new restrictions that are come. So I believe uh, the numbers will be good. Uh, next, so Q1 of FY22, we will see some kind of a downgrade or some kind of a slowdown that is coming. For a lot of consumption companies, uh, there could be also impact of uh, higher inflation. Last year, uh, commodity prices were actually quite low. Uh, this year, we are already starting FY22 with a high cost in terms of commodities. So whether it is metals or even soft commodities, we've seen a sharp increase year on year. So some of these businesses will also see impact on margins, uh, which is why I believe the expectations for FY22 need to be a little measured. Uh, investors should, if they are investing right now, should look at FY23 or FY24 as their investment horizon over which this uh, good businesses will be able to compound and give you a good return. Uh, also, coming with expectations that by small investing in small cap, we'll make returns like we made uh, last year. I think that's, again, uh, uh, a mistake. Uh, yeah. One should expect equities to give better returns than other asset classes, but not as high as what we have seen last year or not. Uh, I mean, go back to what is the long-term average that equity returns give. Uh, that's been around mid to low teens uh, on a compounded long-term basis. I think that should be the expectation rather than going with very high expectations uh, out of small caps or mid caps as a category. Now, uh, in the, we are almost in the second month of the of the year, and uh, the situation on grounds, uh, especially with the health crisis, uh, you think the government will able will be able to meet that much of a capex uh, in FY22? So, I think this year uh, the budget that was presented by the center uh, had a very important change uh, that uh, I, I, I'm sure a lot of people noticed also that the government actually took pressure off of following the fiscal deficit uh, glide path that was designed for, say, normal year. They changed their strategy to take a higher fiscal deficit of some 6.8% uh, for uh, FY22. They also took a glide path, which is much higher than what people were expecting, so which is about 4.5% by uh, FY26. Now, what it does is, it takes the pressure of cutting expenses to meet higher, uh, to meet a lower deficit target. What you are saying is, uh, I will spend more for the economy because I want higher growth rate uh, for the economy, uh, and I'll manage with a higher fiscal deficit for this time till the time businesses come back to normalization when the growth becomes more sustainable. It's a very positive message to the businesses also. It changes the narrative suddenly. It says that government, on one hand, will not do any unreasonable tax measures to collect more taxes. At the same time, they will not stop uh, their spending uh, on their infrastructure or uh, social schemes. Now, if you take combine what they have done now with what 
the government had announced in 2019. Remember, in August and September, government had announced a lot of measures. Uh, the finance minister was on TV almost, I, I think, every week or fortnight to yeah, announce it was certain called measures for key industries. Yeah. Absolutely right. Absolutely right. So those incentives for production link incentives, the corporate tax cuts, housing incentives, incentives to manufacturing, if you end this budget, if you put all of them together, the government is saying that I'm spending, I'm creating a multiplier effect for you because anything that government spends has a Keynesian multiplier, leads to a multiplier uh, downstream because it creates more income for others and then it creates in, uh, a minus the savings, it creates a uh, income for the next level. So this Keynesian multiplier in terms of government spending plus a confidence multiplier that the government wants to incentivize manufacturing uh, and infrastructure growth in the country. Uh, and it has also come at the right time. A lot of global corporations are looking to uh, have India as a partner for outsourcing. So a lot of them are looking for China plus one kind of uh, strategy. So where India qualifies uh, extremely well in terms of businesses. So I see a good growth in uh, the government capex. I see a good growth in the private sector capex. Uh, I see a good growth also in household capex, which is in real hmm. estate. Hmm. So one last question, Nimesh, uh, before we wrap this conversation is uh, about the liquidity. Uh, now, strangely, uh, the market has got the full support of uh, DIs and uh, DIs have been uh, constantly buying for the last uh, two months. But FIs, on the other hand, have been on the back foot. They are selling. I know it is around $2 billion dollars. Uh, in the last two months, and it is much less compared to the robust uh, investment that they have done since October. Does the FI selling off concern you? And uh, the second question uh, is, what is uh, keeping the DI so invested in the stock markets now? Uh, good observation, uh, Nasreen. So uh, you are right. In the last couple of months, we have seen some outflows. But if you see, compared to other emerging markets, uh, in 2020, as well as year till date, India has got a lion's share of uh, foreign investments uh, from the emerging market side. In a lot of Asian markets, we have seen 2020 uh, being a negative flow year in terms of foreign flows into those countries. And even YTD, they are having, uh, a lot of them are having negative flows. So India has actually got a lion's share of foreign investors uh, money coming in. In fact, uh, there was some selling in March 2020, which was quite severe. And the rest of the year, the flows actually increased FI holding in the country. I think it went up by about half a percent in BSC 200 companies. So the total holding of uh, foreign investors in the country. Uh, if you see in the year to date, what has happened is in there is some volatility in flows towards emerging markets. There were some worries whether like, you know, the second wave, how much it will impact the country, what kind of lockdowns we will have. Uh, also, there was also questions about whether U.S. interest rates climbing high uh, will lead to a risk-off kind of scenario. Uh, and uh, a lot of funds would take money off uh, the table just to prepare uh, for that. But uh, look at the primary market in India. The IPOs, the QIPs have been subscribed so well uh, from the foreign investors too. So I believe Yes, maybe these uh, flows don't go by a particular pattern or a rhythm. They remain fluctuating. Uh, but it is not something that we need to be worried about. On the domestic side, I'm happy that the SIP flows continue 
well for the domestic mutual funds. I think that's uh, a good way of investing over a longer term for wealth creation for the retail investors. Uh, however, there have been uh, even negative months for the DII investment. So domestic investors also had a series of negative months or outflows of them selling from the market. I think that's very healthy. As a long-term investor, I don't want all the uh, investors suddenly becoming euphoric about uh, the market and say the foreign investors, the domestic investors, the retail investors, the individual traders, everybody just being on the buy side. Uh, actually, I, to use a term from the pandemic, it's better to build an immune system where somebody or the other is selling so that you don't get into that bubble kind of high expectation zone where you become very vulnerable to a small negative news that comes in and the stocks collapse. So I would say having a mix of investors coming in, uh, also uh, not having everybody buying at the same time actually helps uh, getting more rational uh, pricing uh, in the market and rational valuations in the market and reduces the fear of going into a bubble zone. All right. That's a very interesting point that you made, Nimesh, but I'm afraid we are very short on time. And uh, thanks a lot for giving us those insights and also for uh, taking your time out and sharing those insights. Thanks a lot once again and uh, stay safe. My pleasure, Nasreen. Stay safe. Thank you. For feedback, you can write to me at nasreen.s at lifemint.com or you can reach out to me on Twitter at Nasreen Story. You can also reach out to us at HT Smartcast. We are present on Facebook, Twitter, and Instagram. And to listen to more podcasts like this, you need to log on to www.htsmartcast.com. This was a Mint production brought to you by HT Smartcast. HT Smartcast.